My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri. And welcome back to the Rise Productive Podcast. Oh, well, we, we tried. That, we felt, tried. that felt powerful. Well, I did it. was powerful, <laughs> yeah. You had to give a little bit of pause. <laughs> a little bit of a pause there. Is that what you needed? Well, you gave it a little bit of pause, and I was thinking maybe that's just him doing it for the effect. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was, no. we got to a longer pause, and I was like, oh, this is me. <laughs> this is me. I got to do it. I got to do it. It's awkward now. It's awkward. <laughs> it's now. awkward. Yeah. Hopefully, I won't. Um, I'm not going to edit that out. That'll be funny. So, um, to get things started, how you been, mate? I've been good. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, you know, feeling good. I, like I said, I'm out of that little uh, productivity rut I was in. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's my girlfriend's birthday. So I've been, oh. been really feeling a lot of the uh, altruism in the air. <laughs> the altruism, huh? <laughs> no, it's just been, you know. Has it been very effective? It's been. It's, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Bad joke. Bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> But no, it's been feeling good to like give forward a little bit and like, you know, dedicate time to not myself, but yeah. others, including my significant other. <laughs> but if they're really that significant, then it's an extension of yourself and it's okay. It's beautiful. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so the... Whoa, how are you? Whoa. Uh, yeah, you did this last time. Just kidding. I did it to myself last time. <laughs> I, I interjected. Um, I'm doing good. You know, um, spybin. Gotten. Uh, I'm. I've been in a, a productive flow recently. Been been getting a lot done. Been recording. I'm like recording this on March 23rd. It'll come out. Sec. How many days are in March? 31. Oh, well, you did the finger thing. You know the knuckle thing? Yeah, the knuckle thing. What is it? Like every other one's the 31 or... Yeah, like your knuckles are the 31s and the valleys are either 29 or 30, you know, because February. Oh. And then you double count on the pinky one because July and August are both 31. Yeah, that's hype. So March is a 31. Yeah. So this will come out on the 30th. Why did I need to figure that out? It's the 23rd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. <laughs> but I was glad I was able to flex my, my knuckle, knuckle yeah, trick. I was uh, informed of this by a friend of ours um, a month ago. So I'm behind on the on the times, which is depressing considering I'm 23. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, I got the next video ready too. That's uh, April 4th. So eat a little Easter video drop, uh, but I don't celebrate that Easter because I... I'm a part of the smallest sector of Christian religion, the Orthodox religion. So <laughs> the OGs, as the family likes to say, I will not be celebrating American Easter. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. It's kind of what the elders in my family call it. <laughs> well, the elder elders, the 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 OG Greeks. American. Jesus is rise at a different time for you. <laughs> American Easter, though. American Easter. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm up to I'm, I'm making videos and um, I'm prepared until American Easter. So, 
so we're, we're we're in a productive uh a flow going um speaking of which we're going to be talking about flow today and i've been trying to utilize some of the the tactics of getting into flow in my in my workplace in workplace in my working environment for myself and i've managed to uh, post a blog post which with each video which is something i definitely wanted to do recently and uh yeah i've just been been vibing on the productivity grind very cool i feel like Getting into the flow thing, just like a preliminary comment. When you first brought me onto the flow thing, two things. I would like, one, sit there while I'm working and be like, all right, it's time to get into flow. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's like a trigger for getting into flow. Is like saying, hey, let's get into flow. Uh, we got a list here, but I don't think it's one of them. There's <laughs> it 17, should be. There's 17 options, and I don't think one of the 17 is, hey, let's get into flow. Because <laughs> if everything was that easy, I mean, come on. I'm a big believer in self-manifestation. <laughs> Just if I say it enough, it'll happen. It'll happen. And then sometimes I think I maybe stumble upon one of the real 17 ones, and then mm-hmm. I realize it, and I'm like, I'm in the flow, and I'm immediately out. Yeah, so you ruined it by acknowledging it. Yeah, and that's one of the interesting phenomena that I do want to talk about uh, is the ego of flow. The ego. Oh, I wasn't. Okay. Well, or where well, ego fits into flow. We'll have to get into that. But yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, flow is the state of feeling fully entranced in a task that you're doing. It can be a physical activity, a mental task. It's found in a lot of high, I mean, high level performers across the board like to utilize it so for example a chess player who's you know one of the top chess players in the world i mean you you look at these games you go how did they last seven hours well i mean i don't think they feel like seven hours to these people their brains are working overtime they're in the flow they burn six thousand calories a day during tournaments i i think that's because they're in flow state for seven straight hours and it's probably not healthy for the for the metabolism oh absolutely not you should not be able to burn them eight calories sitting ever yeah it's a topic of not contention but mm, what's the word i'm looking for a topic of debate in in the household and in our friend group whether chess is a sport highly debated highly debated that could be a whole topic that man. could be a whole that yeah chess and, and the power of the mind yes that'll be a good one but yeah like have plenty of these high level people use it and i've been trying to use it recently um i think for me, I find it a lot when I'm running. I'm sure you find it a lot when you're running too, when you're trying to hit a hit a time or do a do a workout with specific repetitions and like you just hit this level of nothing else in the universe exists. For sure. And that's where I think this crossed with me was with this whole Taoist idea, which is called a Wu Wei. Because of course, as I will always say, philosophers are the forerunners of all, of everything that you're on. Uh-huh. <laughs> But there's a Taoist concept of Wu Wei, and it translates to non-action, but scholars tend to pick it up as just effortless action. And so I first picked this up in a Asian religions class, because mm-hmm. Taoism kind of, it's a philosophy, but also religion. Yeah, very big in China, right? Yep, originated yep. in China. And... um they had this analogy that I thought was absolutely beautiful about explaining Wu Wei. And they were saying that water being one of the most brittle and, you know, not threatening or powerful things Mm -hmm. has the ability to run through 
large boulders and rocks and with time erode them away. So that's like one beautiful way that I think of flow or Wu Wei is that it's not, you know, giving like some kind of forced energy into something, but just naturally putting your most into something. See, when you said that thing about brittle, one thought it was funny because brittle, I don't know <laughs> if I've ever used the or thought about water is brittle. Um, <laughs> but two, I think personally, I'm actually one of those people who thinks water is very powerful. Maybe this is just a perception thing, but I'm, I'm a thought. Uh, I have a thought process of water is powerful, man. Oh, I mean, the ocean is my biggest fear. And I think yeah. everyone should fear the ocean. Yeah. Not hedging at all. I mean, the ocean is scary. <laughs> we got sharks. We got it itself. I mean, in itself, it's it's freaky. I don't know if you've ever been in a big wave, man, but you have no control of anything. I've had dreams of just being... I mean, you wait. It, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, Chance and I have both seen a movie called um, The Impossible. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that movie is entirely about <laughs> is entirely about the tsunami tsunami in all seriousness that happened in I believe Thailand uh, in the early mid two thousands. Yeah. That um, unfortunately hundreds of thousands uh, hundred thousand people nearly passed away due to the lack of preparation. So right. I just I think about water and and man I, I'm thinking more about that. But I I can see how they are viewing it more from the because the water is technically not doing it. I guess it'd be gravity from the moon that's doing the action in that sense. True, yeah. And there's more analogies to water. They talk about how water always moves into the lowest position, which in mm -hmm. a lot of contexts lowers inferior or weaker. But it's like water moving low. I mean, have you seen the Grand Canyon? I have. It made that. It water that. made that very passively. Water is wet. Water made that. It's impressive. I actually had a situation where I tell you what, down does not always, I mean, down means negative in this sense, but it, it's not a lot for a lack of power. Uh, we had our toilet in my bathroom. My brother and I share a bathroom at home, right? I, it just kept flushing. You know, that thing where it like, like slowly goes. Oh, like where the little lid thing won't close. Yeah, kind of. the tank fill. Yeah, and then the water in the bowl just kept filling and filling and filling, and it was at an extremely slow pace, so nobody noticed. Next thing I know, I'm in night. I just finished up night class. It's like uh, when we were, God, it's been, or was it night class? Yeah, it would have been last, it was over winter break, but like before winter break, you know what I'm talking about, when we yeah. went home. Mm -hmm. uh, November, right? This water, uh, seeped through, I had to figure out the word, seeped through the tile in my bathroom because it flooded everything so much and went and started dripping out of our I don't want to say, uh, light fixture in the kitchen, like out of the hole that oh my like, hangs it. Dude, it was freaky. I mean, we're talking like the ceiling was ruined. The whole ceiling, because it, it, it like spread right across the top and there was like blotches. And the next day we saw blotches of uh, just like water damage right above us because right. it seeped through as well. And the best way that we could solve it to go down more was because um, that it had the one funnel of coming out, luckily, yeah. which, you know, surprisingly, I don't think the light fixture got ruined. We had like a little, um, <laughs> we were one of those people that didn't take the like 
cover off of it right mm -hmm. so luckily that happened and then we like poked more holes in the ceiling with buckets under them to <laughs> like solve them my, my brother had the genius idea to do that i think he did some quick fast googling and figured that out but yeah water's water's dangerous and going down is hmm, i mean if it, it went down one more layer i tell you what the setup ruined my setup would have been ruined would have been awful i felt bad for the family for the kitchen it was a whole thing and water scares me Right, and I think water's brittle because if you brittle. take you take that same amount of water, you put it in like a wave pool, and mm. let's say it's approaching you, you're not yeah, scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but water in the right context is powerful, man. So I think that's probably why the the Taoists pick up on that because it's they're the same ones who have the whole yin and yang thing, which I don't think is the focus of the conversation. But no, yeah, water is very flowy, enigmatic. It uh, it's powerful and weak. So flow state's powerful and weak. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that like they, you know, it gets picked up in the 21st or 20th century in psychology and they call it flow state. It's just like you can't really explain that state, but the fact that there are these different connotations to water and also just flow, which are obviously very synonymous, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is just so intriguing as to the actual phenomena of flow. Yeah, I definitely with I, I'm thinking about that comparison and I'm thinking just of a, I mean, I'm closing my eyes and li quite literally can't see podcast and there's a, there's just this like wave, you know, like this is just this water just like calmly hitting the waves and, and um, one of the coolest experiences you can have if you want to, I like having these like re weird and kind of odd out of body experiences if you're ever just in a nature scenario and I feel like we don't have this often with the you know distractions we have you know people go on a walk right by the lake by our apartment they right. just think about all right let's go on this walk and like let's enjoy the walk right <laughs> but i was walking with uh my girlfriend and i was i was like wait let's let's like stare at this this is something to sound dumb but i was like let's stare at this wave <laughs> and just like stare at like the water hitting the rocks and then having it come back and I was just like so entranced <laughs> with this like this concept of the few rocks flowing back into the water and then the water hitting and then it bringing it back. I'm like, this made the beach. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. Incredibly hypnotic and also just awe-striking. <laughs> yeah, awe-striking. Yeah, but that that's uh that's something that that can happen with flow. Like I I during that scenario I pointed out I was like, notice how now you don't hear the random like. T of the there was a i'm trying to remember what it's called something hitting the side of like where that um the pier there was like a metal piece that was hitting with the water and i was like notice when you like focus on the wave like you don't hear the pitter patter in the background what and, are you like whispering in her ear explaining flow no, state you're no, trying I to mean, walk her through a headspace no, meditation this is, just, this is just kind of i mean basically yeah i should have i you know i've uh speaking of chances girlfriend I, I hear i have a decent podcast voice and people keep saying this and apparently she said it so maybe i should do a headspace thing you could i could i could Listen to the calming sounds of my voice. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty interesting. <laughs> and the waves come crashing. <laughs> and the pitter patter. Bum 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 bum. Now I kind of sound like a. Yeah. So. <laughs> so flow. <laughs> back on the topic. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, the whole more high level thing, uh, or the high performance thing that happens, and it's we were talking about monotony on the last podcast. 
mm-hmm. you know, and how that that's a way that people can get out of monotony and monotonous tasks and how e- there are going to be monotonous tasks in any work that you do. If you're someone who's a, who's a, uh, well, I'm trying to think of an example of an extremely exhilarating job. You got one? A firefighter. Oh my God. This is a good one. You picked a gold one. You know why? I'm going with the fire and water analogy here. Next thing you know, we're going to be the Avatar podcast, so just <laughs> calm yourself. But the the thing is, you, I know some firemen right uh, in my family uh, who have moved from different departments because one's boring and one's not. Sure. Like safety levels, not really on their radar. I Are guess. you saying and within the fire fire department, they've moved within... To another... Um, unit or not unit uh i guess they've moved to another station right so there's a neighborhood sure. i'd say the neighborhood i'm from i'm from is uh fortunately in a lot of ways very you could guess boring to work <laughs> at right but other areas in the chicagoland area and in chicago for most people would be considered pretty dangerous slash exciting in some weird way to some and a not so weird way to others right but in a job that's got all that excitement right even those firefighters when they have those lulls they need to try to find some sort of flow state when they're at their job but not at their job because firefighting obviously is a situation where if you're not being called to do something you're not doing a job that's pretty much going to get you into flow right at least not nearly with the same potential. Yeah. And because even when you have the random calls from the, the, the lady trying to get the cat out of the tree, the, the classic cartoon joke. Right. I just, I say firefighter because I think it has, you know, I <clears throat> I attribute flow to at least like with the, the Wu Wei understanding of it is it's very much natural physical processes. It's like, you know, like doing some, monotonous task over and over again it's like maybe sweeping your floor and just like really getting into some kind of zone about that or playing an instrument mm-hmm. or something like that so i imagine with firefighters when they're like in their athletic zone pulling people out of buildings and stuff they're definitely finding the flow yeah and that's and that's something that you know maybe people want to try to find the base job that has more of that in there but just to be to be frank, even with them, they'll they'll have stages where there won't be inflow, and and all jobs will will have monotony, right? Of course, and I think that's why it's important to talk about flow and regular. Or I don't want to say regular, but not pulling people out of burning buildings <laughs> type of scenarios, jobs. because I think with the less active movement, it can be a, more difficult to find flow at times. Yeah, motion creates emotion. You ever heard that saying? No. It's a great saying. I what think you, I heard it in a movie. What do you mean? Like if you're angry, I'll get angry? No, motion creates emotion. Motion. Oh, no, I've heard that. Okay, I was like, hopefully. Yeah, the motion of emotion. Yeah. Notion creates emotion. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Come on, man. It's so cool. Look at it. It's black and white. I made all of it black and white. It's uh, so neat. <laughs> it's so neat. I'm minimalist. Look at me. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that motion creates emotion. A lot of jobs are are stationary now you know they say that sitting is the new cancer wait smoking smoking which causes cancer sorry like actually sitting too much can be 
is carcinogenic the right word in this context? I would say just detrimental in general. I think it's like, what is it? Four hours. It's like, I think it's crazier than that. I think I say if it's, if you sit for over two hours a day, you're just decreasing your lifespan. I'm like, well, what? Yeah. Seems kind of crazy. But like, okay, here's my question. Since just sorry for the side tangent guys, but are we counteracting that by how much we run? I what hope. does the science say about this? I don't know the science behind they counteracting better. It, it better or else I'd rather honestly just well, what's the point? Even if you counteract it, you're probably sitting for over two hours a day. Oh me? Oh God. Yeah. I'm just saying like, like I'm hoping that like my uh, healthy lifestyle will counteract it marginally. Or actually, significantly. Right, I would right. prefer it to be significant, obviously. Right. I'm just... If you run, it doesn't mean you get to eat 10,000 calories, you know? If you're catching my... Well, if you swim as much as Michael Phelps does, I mean, you do. I guess. <laughs> so you, you see what I'm getting at? I hear you. Um, what, was I, what was I getting at? I was talking about the, the motion grades in motion. Um, so what we're going to talk about a little bit on the the triggers of flow is you know some ways that we can get into flow some ways that we've maybe used flow and then the ego of flow i feel like some you're catching the vibe as to as to the rest of the the show people hope you hopefully chances i think he i think he gets it i'm catching him he's, your, he's, he's, he's catching the throw my way okay you got it <laughs> we're, we were just talking about while i was setting up the cameras whether the pronunciation of the guy who is referenced a lot with flow is going to be used and we determine chance you're on the call so what's the name of the guy well it's funny because every time i found some kind of article that was referencing flow they always brought this guy's name and it's like sometimes they they do some kind of phonetic spelling but this one was 100 percent every time they'd have the name right next to it a phonetic spelling and it was just so funny to always see that because they're like nobody can body this name pronunciation but it's the best one I found was Mihai Cheeks sent Mihai. Is that like Slavic in origin, you think? Because the guy, I mean, it looks like spelled in a Slavic. He, you're close. He's Hungarian. Hungarian ah, American. Okay. That's an impressive name. Very impressive. I wish I had that name. Yeah. We both <laughs> do. Anyways, um, yeah, so that this guy is found all across the the articles you can see on Flow online and, and any website that that mentions flow will bring him up. Uh, what's the, do you know what the book he wrote was called? I mean, he's written a couple books. I couldn't remember. I was actually, I found a PDF that I was, uh, solid. I was looking through one of his books, but I don't know. He's got like over 200 articles on this stuff and like three books, but Mihai cheeks sent me high. If you can find the courage to <laughs> get a pronunciation spelling into your search engine, you can find something. Yeah, and what he has shown uh, me, at least, is that there there are plenty of flow triggers. There's plenty of ways that we can get into flow. And some of the ones I've been using recently, uh, actually, I use a lot. And we talked about it before on the podcast, Parkinson's Law, right? I feel like Parkinson's Law and a Pomodoro timer lead to... Hmm, it matters if you do it right. Uh, if you do the sort of high consequences situation, if you utilize... Hmm. Or intensely focused attention. If you utilize like, okay, if I don't do this, then X negative thing will happen to me. If you like put a self-imposed negative. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing about the Pomodoro technique is that it's so 
time centered, of course. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, one of the seven ways that he has his participants explain flow is this like kind of timeliness where you very much disassociate with time. So it seems as if you're conscious of time, you might be doing what I said at the beginning where I'm like, I'm in flow and I'm pulling myself out of flow as I'm saying that. Yeah, like we're 25 minutes into the podcast and I didn't realize that we're 25 minutes in the podcast. We were in flow and I just brought us out of it. So you're welcome. (laughs) But not cool. I know. I'm sorry. Cool. But uh, that's an interesting thought. I would actually, I don't know if I... I agree with that because it, wouldn't you say that the time is there? There's a clearly defined goal, right? Which is another trigger of flow. Mm-hmm. So there's the clearly defined goal to finish it. You have intense focus and then you end up becoming disassociated with the time until the timer rings. Cause have, yeah, you yeah. The, have you used the technique? No, but when I watch you do it, I'm just wondering if you, I guess you probably aren't like staring at the timer oh no oh it's in the background i don't have it open yeah yeah so no yeah that's agreeable i'm good with that now so yeah so the the pomodoro technique can trigger the flow state that sounds like a good option for like the the name of this clip it's pretty good that was a good one that's a good one no but uh i definitely recommend that and giving yourself arbitrary deadlines because for me when i I find myself and many people who are students or even in their work when, when there's, when there's deadlines that are farther out than need be, I often find nearly impossible to get into flow state if you're ever getting ahead of things, which is why people don't get ahead on things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Could you elaborate? (laughs) Yeah, I can't elaborate. Sorry. Uh, and I think for me, what I'll do is I'll set these arbitrary uh, goals. For example, I'll have a paper due. It's March 23rd. I'll, it's, let's say it's due March 28th. I'll be like, all right, if I don't finish it by March 25th oh, at, yeah, at 9 p.m. And then, you know, that date comes up. I set the time to do it. I do whatever little things like Pomodoro technique. Then I won't get into flow state. Like it just probably kind of be like, ah, I mean, okay, it's due the 28th. Who cares? Like I got days. But once you come to the realization of, doing it a little early and then doing the proofreads and such will really help. You can trick yourself a little bit more cause you know why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Which is the, which is usually the vibe I'm going with when, when I, when I utilize these tactics, cause I feel like it's hard with structure. And we talked about in the last episode, how, you know, do habits and uh, do routines lead to a meaningless life. Like if you don't trick yourself in a lot of ways, this like being ahead sort of like productivity vibe can kind of get you out of flow. I feel like how so because if, if I were to not trick myself, right. And just go, I'm going to do it early. There is no stakes in it being done early. So then what is the flow trigger? The flow trigger would be a arbitrary deadline that you'd give yourself like Parkinson's law, like saying I have to do it in this spot. I've actually kind of, in a way, I feel like when I do this time blocking and this this specific setting of tasks at certain times in my life, I have like a, if you're not three to five days ahead, you're behind sort of vibe. Right. I don't even put like arbitrary dates on the tasks anymore. 
I just say, oh God, I have a video that's supposed to come out tomorrow and it's not done. I'm, I'm just, I'm wrong. Like, this is not me. This is bad. This isn't productive. It sounds like some toxic, if you're not, uh, early, you're on time. <laughs> that's <of>. toxic. <laughs> Wait, what? <gasps> that's toxic. No, I mean, it's incredibly productive, but you think it's toxic. I'm just, I don't want you to ever, um, if you're not five minutes early, you're late, bro. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I've been late a lot in my right, life. Right, but I mean, you should be five minutes late. I mean, five minutes early, but you shouldn't be an hour early. Oh God. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. We're on the same page. And I was, I was getting concerned for a minute. I okay. Like, I was like, all right, man. I, you're never really late for for anything we do, though. No. So I shouldn't have been that concerned. No, I'm a on time guy. On time guy. Yeah. 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 And, anyways, I, I, I find myself trying to battle that sort of arbitrary lifestyle often right yeah the only thing that i was concerned about is like i was wondering what your flow trigger is i guess it's a clear goal but oh, yeah. you obviously have kind of removed any kind of high consequences because those are entirely in self-imposed, self-imposed now yep. and you can just easily remove those by saying hey eh, we can push it back a day what's the hurt you know you know what it ends up being a lot of the time and i i made a or i'm making a video about how to make hard things easier it's a lot of that reminder of the failure of extrinsic and intrinsic goals which would be risk slash high consequences and a lot of novelty seeking like rich environment novelty seeking those are my options okay yeah i do like the novelty seeking the rich environment is, is very interesting trigger for me. Yeah. I went through the list of 17. I'm like, which ones do I actually which ones do I like? <laughs> which ones do I like? <laughs> it's like I'm shopping. Yeah. And I appreciate but, uh, the fact that you like go to the library and yeah. And we'll, we'll study some days and then some days you'll be in your room. Right. And it's that whole idea of, I mean, even when I go to the library, it's one floor and there's only a, a certain number of seats, but I always try to pick a different one. Ooh. Try to get a different view because, oh. you know, it creates another layer of novelty. And it's like, it's when um, Mihai, Cheeks and Mihai was, I was listening to his TED talk and he was talking mm-hmm. about how the whole phenomena of like, you only have a certain amount of energy you can give towards obtaining new information. That's why we can't listen to two people talk at the same time and understand both of them perfectly right Mm -hmm. so if we're not taking in this information of our environment around us because it's you know just new and we're not really Mm -hmm. like concerned with it whereas like if it's the things in my room i feel like i like stare at my plants all the time (laughs) stuff like that i love my plants but (laughs) i feel like i'm always staring at them but if i go to the library it's like i've put I forgot what the metric was, but it's like you get 110% of this metric that you can put towards energy. And like, I guess it takes like 60 per listening to a person, let's say. So two would be 120 mm-hmm. and exceeding it. Yeah. But when I go to the library, it's like instead of 30% of my metric spent towards my environment, <laughs> it's now like 10 because it's like, I'm just in a library. I'm not going to look around at these things. If I start looking around, people are going to judge me. They say, what is he looking at? So two things. That's interesting. First and foremost, I wanted to do that with the the different spot. The second time I went to the library this semester or third time, it, I don't go often. I, I like my space. Right. Uh, 
I try to sit in a different seat, man. And I always have to use the computers though, because I feel like that's another layer of novelty. Because and I didn't bring my laptop last time. I don't really uh, use it as much. I like a desktop feel. Oh yeah. And I go and try to sit at a different one, and you know what happens? What? It doesn't connect to the internet. Oh no. It's just like I don't, and I'm like, bruh. I go to the other one, and then I'm like. If you go across the table, you're going to be in the same spot. Okay, but it's kind of new. I haven't been to the library in a while. Yeah, bud, but it's not that new. And I go, all right, well, I guess I got to settle. So I, I ended <laughs> up going and sitting there, and I did get work done. Mainly, a pl- I got into a planning flow. Like some, Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, flow didn't become a thing until Wi-Fi did. The Taoist actually never got into flow <laughs> in ancient China because they didn't have Wi-Fi. All right. Well, if the work that you're going to do requires the access of the of the editing of the Notion and Google Calendar, I would say, yeah, you know, it needs the Wi-Fi. Oh, no, I'm messing with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm messing with you. All right. But that does stink. I really do feel like everything that you you went out of your way, you spent some time to find some novelty and capture flow, and of course, and then they just got this 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 computer's it's not connected to the internet, and I look and I'm. I'm pretty techy, so I go and I'm like, I'm looking at the Ethernet port. I'm like, is it busted? Like, what's it? It's plugged in. Okay, let me plug, take it out, put it back in. No, the DNS just won't connect to the server. This is stupid. <laughs> I mean, this is this. Some somebody fix this. Yeah, waste of time. <laughs> waste of time. And the second thing is, I wonder what the difference is then between because familiarity is a flow trigger, right? So you were talking about the f- amount of focus that you could give to your plant. Right. So familiarity then for that trigger would be more of familiarity with an interaction style with people, like how we get into flow more easily maybe than I would with a new podcast guest every week. Yeah, the familiarity, that fell within interpersonal flow, I believe, which is... Got it, yeah. That has more names with like brainstorming. If I, you know, I feel like it's hard to explain flow is some kind of definition so like mm-hmm. on the on the personal level it's getting in the zone interpersonal i think it's mm-hmm. like brainstorming but yeah i think it's pretty intuitive to say that if you're synced up with someone that you've you know shared a lot of conversations and data with it's like much easier to get in the hang yeah so for for those of you that don't know chance did a great job of re recognizing uh what I failed to, which was that each uh, flow trigger is under a subsection that um, they gave, which I guess, yeah, interpersonal would be, or social, sorry. Social is what they right, call it right. sometimes. There's there's multiple sections, and that is important to remember. Yeah, so, I, but I, you know, I do find some familiarity. How do I, I find some flow triggers happen when I'm like, I'm in my space, though, you mm-hmm. know? I feel like you're trying, to, you're trying to die on this hill because you mostly... Uh, you work in your little space, which is very much the same, which is fine. I think that there's some kind of, there's good familiarity in the fact that like, if you can, you know, white your walls and keep everything kind of pristine and looking the same, that's fine. I think that familiarity is scared of distracting novelty. Okay. Which is fair. Which I think like, the things in your room, like your desk is not going to change a whole lot, but mm-hmm. I'm staring at my plant every day to see if it's going to grow. Ah, that's fair. But can I die on this hill then? Can you die on this hill of familiarity? I think, 
I think so. Okay. But I'm curious what you think about the whole thing that I was mentioning about where you spend your mental energy, like this 110% percent. It's a metric. I don't remember the, the mm-hmm. unit and I'm going to kick myself after the podcast. For no, I understand. But I'm curious how you feel about if you're in a new situation, do you feel like you're taking in external factors more or less? Because I feel like for me, it's almost like one of those pictures where you've blurred out the background. Like, you know, it's pretty, <laughs> you know, it's pretty, but you're not looking like it's all blurry, right? Yeah. Which is fair. Whereas like with the, like with my room, I feel like I pick up on all the subtleties of my room. Like the way my desk is organized. I mean, even outside of my plants, like I'm always looking out my window to see who's coming by, how the sky and the beach is looking that day. So I'm curious whether you think we're spending more mental energy or less on our environment, depending on if it's a new environment or a familiar environment. I think it comes to a level of, uh, the question comes to whether you as an individual are have a productive space and a decluttered space. Sure. Because the science behind decluttering is interesting, right? So a lot of the the minimalists and and those who believe in lack of clutter uh, not regarding the the sort of cult phenomenon that minimalism has become. And I wrote about it in uh, 10 steps to saving time and doing more. Check out my free ebook. Uh, (laughs) I haven't done a plug in a while. I haven't done a plug in a while. Uh, Actually, no, I'm going to start trying to do that more, but the, there's a, there's a whole section about decluttering and how, you know, physical decluttering leads to mental decluttering. And I feel like that sort of coincides with your question about whether I'm focused more or not on my surroundings when I'm in a public place or a, a different place. Because personally, I have made fully intentional steps with my desk and with my setup. Um, I have the two monitors. I have decent cable management. I have the cords exactly where they are. You see the little cable clips, like right. keeping them where they are. Think it matters on the intentionality of your setup in your room because I'm not distracted by my room being that dirty because I'm not that dirty. I'm not distracted by just looking around. Everything I have a rule for myself. Outside of napkins, everything should be in the same place at all times. Which is funny because the whole napkin thing, you were just mm. Dimitri napkin problem. Dimitri litters this apartment with napkins. That I have a napkin problem. All rules of intentionality are out the window when it comes to the napkins because it's like, oh, like I'm gonna keep one in here just you know in case I need to like grab a napkin while I'm playing ping pong. It's like because <laughs> everyone does that. What if you need it? <laughs> you don't know. I guess I don't. That, that's true. But yeah. you bring up a good point. I think the whole is it a question not of novelty or familiarity, but rather one of cluttering or decluttering yeah is interesting because for me i want to say that my space is pretty clean but i know that you sometimes come in and you're like oh god <laughs> don't you feel like it's cluttered <laughs> and for the most part it's I not that bad I, I feel like it doesn't face me i feel like it could be much worse but perhaps maybe it does and when i go into a public place i'm assuming that a library or a coffee shop is just gonna not be cluttered because I feel like there's a subconscious, and I, I've told you this when you said, oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, yeah, but is this always, like, is the thing on the ground, like, is this always the object that's on the ground? You're like, no, I mean, like, it could be a different one. And I'm yeah. Like, but there's, like, 
science there's science to show that subconsciously you are affected by that and i feel like what you were talking about with how much you can focus on something right doesn't that kind of further that that concept to you that if it's not in its proper place and it's some, or it's something that's growing like with your plant it's going to take up part of your attention for sure yeah no so, I, I agree with that. so with this would this concept say that a less cluttered space would allow you more percentage whatever to focus is that is that the vibe? Yeah, I'm going to merge these two dichotomies I created here. And I think that yeah. if it's a change that moves you more towards clutter, it's unproductive. Uh-huh. But if it's a decluttering change... Is it good? It's a good. But familiarity with your decluttering is probably where I'm still on the fence. Mm-hmm. Because there is a little bit less of a novelty in right. there right which i would agree with and i think that's why i think uh making a, an adventure to the, the library or the coffee shop could be more productive you know all friction aside from the uh the home setup yeah i think there's there's obviously different people who like different things about what we do in regards to uh, where we sit and and how we're doing things but like like do people like larger uh do people like working with more noise less noise all that kind of stuff i feel like that factors in when we're talking about this too and for me i really think that it's important to have a productive setup and i'm not going to really go far against that because i did just drop a video on why you should have a two monitor setup right like <laughs> I, I i'm i'm very big on my setup right. i feel like there's there's it's a nice crutch to have Mm -hmm. Because it is going to be where you have to do things sometimes. Weather sucks. Why you're not gonna? Are you gonna go to the the IC in the rain? Like what? That's true. I would yeah. probably not go to the IC in the rain. That would suck. Yeah. I would. That would. <laughs> that would suck. Um, so I am. I'm. I am thinking that I. I get that, and I, I would. I think I should try to do a little bit more novelty in there because once you get into a rut, productivity wise, I think it's important to scoot. Like just be like, all right, well, I'm going to the the library today because that's that's the move but i definitely agree with you on the um fact that it's it's probably a question of whether you have more clutter or not in your room like th there's probably a reason that we know people who make the statement oh i can't get work done unless i'm in um the library right or the center that people study for us like sometimes as they say you can learn a lot about someone by visiting their home yeah and i feel like all those people who make that state okay maybe not for one of our roommates one of our roommates is pretty clean right yeah but like for most of them it's like i can't study at home yeah well maybe it's because subconsciously you're so cluttered with all the, <laughs> the stuff that's going on and this is like my minimalism brain just being like well look at your room that answers your question like as to why you can't get work done at home it's not because you get distracted by your phone it could be partially but maybe it's the social pressure obviously there's so many different factors but i definitely feel like it's the it's the clutter right is social pressure one of the... That's not a flow trigger. We're oh, man, that should be a flow trigger. That should be a flow trigger. One of the social ones. Sense of control, close, listening, always say yes, creativity. No, it's not one. One I want to ask you about, though, is the whole challenge to skills ratio. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Mihai was the originator of this whole ratio, and he has this like really nice chart. If anyone's a big Wikipedia fan like myself... You can go and check out his personal page 
and um as i say all, you, all it takes is a little uh figuring out that spelling <laughs> in, the, in the search engine but um he has this whole chart and it has like seven it's like a pie chart with like seven or eight regions and on the x and y axis x you have skill level going from low to high as you go out and then you have challenge which is going low to high as you climb up the y-axis and right at the top of each is flow Mm -hmm. but then right below on the y-axis would be what you call control where you have a high level of skill and a moderate level of challenge and then arousal which would be kind of vice versa you have moderate skill high challenge and i'm curious when you feel like you're in that zone like maybe any kind of like example of when you feel like you're finding that space activities control. that you find that space control or arousal like for me i was reading through that and when i thought moderate skill and high challenge i think when i was um when i was doing the little music production grad <laughs> oh, yeah. for a year it was a lot of novel it was a lot of novelty for me it was high challenge no doubt mm-hmm. because i knew absolutely nothing and I was making the most bare bones beats <laughs> but because it was kind of easy right not easy but for what you were doing it's easy for what I was doing it was a skill that I was grabbing more and more of and I was like my main point here is I'm trying to find <laughs> activities where I'm hovering in that zone because there's other areas it was like apathy or like relaxing it's like obviously if we're in a relaxed zone we're never going to reach flow we don't even have an opportunity to so i think it's important that we find activities where we're in arousal or in control and one of them i went to is music production because it's a high challenge moderate skill and sometimes as the skills advance for myself i feel like i could get into a flow where i was just working on a beat for four hours and all of a sudden it's like done but that it's repetition, like, where did my that repetition go? of the work that you're doing is yeah you know, I think that's a good question. I think uh, you kind of gave a nice little nugget of uh, thought that I had right at the end there before, before I was getting to it and then you got to it. I feel like a lot of things that you you think are cool, right? Yeah. That you, you naturally are gifted at maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you think are cool and you're naturally gifted at are usually in the arousal state until you reach the level of proficiency that then you can hit flow and that doesn't have to mean overall proficiency from my perspective right session proficiency is different so you and i both know from um from a running standpoint right like do you progress into people naturally progress during runs if if you're like running at the right pace sure i feel like an analogy here would be that you're starting an easy run due to the 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 tiredness that we have in that sort of like arousal stage you know we're like oh man like this is what it is like it's mildly difficult and it's like it's pretty difficult my skill's not very high right now so i'm kind of like oh it's an easy run because right. you know we're sore or whatever it is and and then as it goes on your proficiency in the session increases to flow state that i feel like i pulled that out of my head but that was pretty good it's pretty close i feel like you like let me decipher really yeah, quick. yeah okay so you're saying that challenge is cool which is super mm-hmm. interesting to me because that's that's super true right it's like the the most successful people we think of or like what they did was not easy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise that would be me. So it's obviously <laughs> that 
challenge carries a level of status that yeah is obviously daunting and the thing with the running that was interesting is that i was when i was thinking of control the other zone that hovers right next to flow i thought of running because it's high skill not to toot my horn <laughs> I, I would say i'm like yeah so I'm, I'm i'm high skill in in terms of the general population in running and it's moderate challenge when you're going on like an easy run. Yes. But if you're doing some kind of run where it starts to progress and get harder and harder, obviously you're moving across the axis of challenge. And that's when you're starting to move into flow. Yeah. So, so I think that's how I deciphered the point you just made. But yeah. that was that was very nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I definitely feel that that's an example. Another one would definitely be so say I was editing a video back in the day versus now. I think I struggle sometimes with, there's something called the 1% rule that uh, James Clare talks about in Atomic Habits, which maybe we should quote unquote read sometime. I can read, you can give me your thoughts on the on the book. Which oh, is I love a book review, man. Yeah, a book review, but I I read and you, or you read if you feel like it, but if one of us doesn't get to it, I think it'd be funny to be like, like him just going against me the whole time, just like face <laughs> or just thinking, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. But anyways, <laughs> the 1% rule is talking about like if we improve on a skill every single day, improve on ourselves every single day by 1%, you know, by the end of the year, okay, maybe not 365%, but we will be better. Right. Right. And there is, is a stage that I maybe am in at the moment where I haven't quite hit this level of video editing proficiency that's god tier at all right but i'm at the speed for the production value i'm at is control speed because i am like high skill for the production value i'm at but the difficulty is like only difficult due to you know i'm trying to hit the time constraint but it's not really 100 flow because if i wanted to be difficult i could make more of an effort to improve and i haven't been implementing the one percent rule in that case so that's a good example i feel like of a control state i started in the in the arousal when i began video editing right it Mm -hmm. was it was hard video editing at the time i was trying to go for a specific vibe every time i had a little bit of anxiety maybe early early on when you're doing it and that's the top left where it's high you know uh skill requirement low proficiency Right. And then I moved into the arousal when I get a little more practice. And then I get stuck in the control a lot of time when you don't get over that plateau of tr- even trying to improve. Yeah, I got you. So you're saying that, I mean, obviously video editing is a, I think, innately high challenge mm-hmm. thing. And as your skill improves, you'd be able to find flow more and more. Mm-hmm. But if you choose to, like, I found flow at a certain point, but I'm definitely back more at the control state because the difficulty dropped because I haven't tried to improve video editing maybe in a recent months. Gotcha. I hear you. But that brings up an interesting point for me, and this goes back to novelty, is it seems that we can be faced with a high, you know, some kind of difficult challenge. But if we can increase our skill level on that challenge, we can find flow. So would it be better if we are finding some kind of new task where we have to develop the skills to enter into flow? Or would it be just better if we were familiar with this task already? It's high challenge and our skill level is high. I feel like that just matters on what you want to do with your life. Like, Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like it. It maybe we're getting more into the into the we're getting stuck on how can we reach flow more but like flow doesn't matter if you're like 
doing something you don't want to. For example, I could learn how to speak backwards. I don't want to do that though. Maybe I'll reach flow during the process. Right. But I don't. But why would you want? But why would I want to do like in in the purposes of my life? I don't. I'm not really. That's not my goal. Like uh, there's not there's not any goal there for. I can speak very proficiently back now. That's not. Right. No, I know what you're saying. I think that that's an important part of flow too. Is it like, it's, and that goes back actually to the the whole Taoism wave. Is that when they're talking about Wu Wei, they are um. They definitely limit the number of activities that you can find it in, which is like something definitely different from our current conception of flow state. Is that they're oh really? They would say that it's much more about being in line with nature, which is why they make a lot of analogies to water along with (laughs) other things found in nature is that they call it like the enigmatic mirror where Mm -hmm. we have this loss of the, the ego because you know, timelessness and you've created so much concentration towards one thing that you don't even have concentration over your bodily existence or some of the functions of it perhaps. And I'm losing my Trying to thought here. Like, let me find. It, let me find it. <laughs> it's interesting because it seems as that unnatural tasks would not get us into some kind of state of Wu Wei, where we're aligning with the natural processes. It's about being one with nature, and your enigmatic mirror is just a reflection of a greater cosmos or, you know, nature. Yeah, so like you'd be the enigmatic mirror of the power of water or whatever, because water's powerful in this, in this kind. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I think with flow state, you do have that loss of consciousness, but it's much more. You've just dedicated all your energy towards this thing, and maybe you're a reflection of that task. But I think the Taoists might say that if it's an unnatural task, at least within your microcosm like your personal universe if it doesn't seem natural to you then it wouldn't be something where you could find flow like yeah like for me what's it something i hate doing (laughs) um let's say math math okay i would never find flow in math you could argue whether math is a natural or not natural thing but let's say it's not natural Mm -hmm. we made it up that's true i mean it's a construct it doesn't yeah doesn't exist. So it's we're saying it's an unnatural process. And I don't like math. But no. If I liked math, let's say, <laughs> then it'd be something where I could actually get into flow, even if it is mm. unnatural. Is what I think the current psychologist would say, but I'm curious mm-hmm. where the Taoists would fit their uh their thinking into something like finding flow at your your job. Yeah, even like if the job, even if the job is something that you don't like, yeah, right, like video editing or per se. Yeah, and you know it's funny how like the spiritual aspect of these things versus the versus the practical aspect of these things come up a lot in our conversations. You know, yeah, I think it's good that we do that. I think it's good to see both sides of the coin there. Like, if I mean, we got into the whole meaning of life thing. I feel like last podcast, right, and the meaning of life to certain spiritual groups can be completely different. Right. And then this, this, in this state, uh, or in this case, the flow state for spiritual purposes is completely different in, in that context versus when we put it in a productivity context. Right. 
who uh, who is the guy that um did the extreme sports coverage and he kind of gives talks and flows the, the youtube the guy i said the guy I sent you oh yeah. man i get it we're, we're doing this i forget his name but i'm just gonna go on my little rant while you do that but um not rampant explanation here he when he was talking about flow he kind of like deviated so far from the the spiritual side of it it kind of gave me this like matrix type of vibe where it's like we are like we're gonna push your brain to the like full throttle of the engine and like get you to like push out as much mm-hmm. superpower flow energy as you can at your job and it's just like it's, it seems so inorganic. Like you've taken away from the, the spiritual side of things where it's just like. And you don't like that. I, you've seen the matrix, right? I have seen the mate, the trilogy, you're talking about the movies. The, like, yeah. 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 The, okay. So I'm just fearful of like how they, oh, they, God. they take like people's like chakras and they like, are I don't even know what they do with that energy. I forget. I just know the dude came out of the vat and he was like. Mr. Andrew, are you talking about uh, the AI that like, that keeps saying Mr. Anderson. That guy? What are you talking about? I've only seen the first one. Oh, yeah, that's the third one. So I do know what you're talking about actually now. But I'm, I'm... like everyone's sitting in their little vat and you mm-hmm. know they're getting their, their flow energy pulled out of them. And like that's so sad. Put to the, the, the fullest, which is I think a way you could muscle your way through something you don't like doing, but I think the Taoists would say if it's not something that naturally makes sense within your microcosm, you're not gonna get into flow. Maybe you're more in that control control state sometimes, which is also a positive state from what I could tell. Yeah. And I think that's a good reason to bring up control. It seems like you've got to be hovering within control or arousal in order to get into flow. Yeah, for sure. Also, the guy's name is Steve Kotler. Um, he was, he's been interviewed by Matt Diavella, plenty of people. He's the guy who first introduced me into the flow state as well. Yeah. No, and he explains it super well. And I think that he brings up, um, I mean, flow is a hard thing to explain. It's kind of that knowing how versus knowing that knowledge type of thing where it's like not something that can be explained really well, but he brings up a lot of examples with extreme sports. So I thought he brings up a lot of cool points, but then when he got into the whole, you know, we're going to get you to flow for eight hours at work and crunch numbers or something. It's like, whoa, like what you seem to be extracting my energy. (laughs) This is scary. Kind of like, yeah. Well, do you want, I mean, I guess the last question before we, we wrap things up is one, where do you think you're going to use this now that you know about it? And two, do you think there's like practical, do you think there's going to be a, any sort of practicality in your life about what he's saying with, do you think you'll, reasonably be able to handle eight hours of of flow and you're i mean you, you see that as a thing or in your day to day or yeah, i think i do i mean in a in the most productive sense i think when i'm reading journaling writing essays i think that it's a high challenge and at this point i'd say my skills are moderate to high for being a university student i think that's probably where i'll most likely find it and I do feel a little deterred because I feel like um, there's certain assignments where maybe I don't have as much passion to do that reading or let's like go like back to math like I'd have a hard time willing myself through some math but if I can get one of those other flow triggers like some kind of you know clear goal or like t- 
time determination or like maybe i just really need to go to the library to do math <laughs> sounds like a lot of work i mean I, I think it's possible i guess to answer my own question i think it's possible i don't think it's plausible plausible to to be able to do be in flow for an eight hour workday for eight hours yeah i think it's in, i just i don't think it's plausible why do you say that i think there's a level of skepticism i'm having to this are the, you like scared of the matrix i mean i maybe you freak me out a little bit maybe we're we're getting into the the like oh my god like maybe this is the, this guy's trying to extract no i'm just kidding um but i just think positively i will say i think there are days where you'll have it i just don't think it's plausible to expect yourself to have it all the time you know even if yeah. you're even if you're men if you're planning out all of these things yeah i mean that's for sure i think it's i think one of your reservations is that you i think you're scared of um maybe i'm just putting words in your mouth but i mm -hmm. think that there's a fear that you're using flow to push through something that you really don't enjoy but the Taoist twist i'm putting on this would be yeah. that you can only achieve flow within things that you enjoy so it's some kind of hope that you find work or whenever you want to achieve flow some kind of pastime that you are enjoying and you only find flow there otherwise you're only going to be in arousal or control i will agree on that if that's what we're if that's what yeah. we're understanding so that. i think it's fortunate for me that i'm enjoying what i'm doing right now in my yeah. studies i'm not saying i'm not maybe it's just Maybe it's just a level a level of skepticism I'm having it in regards to overall work enjoyment. Like we were talking about how no work is fun all the time. Sort of. <laughs> Nothing sort is of fun vibe. as a job. No, nothing is fun as a job, mate. <laughs> Anytime we do the break. Okay. I'll be honest. Chance and I are huge fans of Ali Abdal. And, or, well, I'm a big fan of them. And he listens to it a fair amount. And Tamar Abdal. Yeah. They've been not overthinking. Great podcast. Plug to them. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely I see where you're coming from there. I think we can have it. I think we can have it a lot. I don't think it's all the time though. Eight hours also just sounds exhausting. That's what that's my that's the immediate thought I had was, man, that sounds rough. Yeah. Like being in the zone for eight hours, like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be losing ten pounds a day. I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be Magnus Carlson, Hikaru Nakamura. I'm gonna be Anish Giri, the guy who was interviewed from the chess um, community, the number uh, four player in the world, or was it no? Fabiano Caruana, the number two player in the world, was interviewed about this whole like study right. about how much you lose when you're in tournaments. And man, the dude lost like 20 pounds in like five days. Right. I was just like, what? You're playing chess. And like, I just, you know, it scares me a little. Like, if you're that mentally engaged for eight straight hours, I mean, I'm not trying to lose. I mean, I don't need the weight to lose. Yeah, but I mean, at least he's, I think it's, he would only do it then if he was doing what he loved. That's true. Maybe I can, I just eat more. That's always Could an option. Eat more. That's Could always eat an more. option. You have any uh, final thoughts to wrap up the thing? I don't think so. I think that was. Uh, I looked forward to this conversation a lot, and I think I. I enjoyed it. Made some some mental ground on on flow. I think it's something that I'll uh, definitely be using a little more in the future. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, this was a good podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, please leave a review. Actually, uh, taking more maybe inspiration from them it would be cool to read some reviews if we get enough of them we can start reading them uh, so on apple podcasts or anything like that leave some reviews uh curious what your guys thoughts are on these episodes and yeah with that being said thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you 
next week. Got it.